This is Scott Archer, pastor of Central Congregational Church in La Mesa, California. Thank you so much for tuning into our Sunday service podcast, CCC Sunday Messages. I hope you find the messages both challenging and encouraging as you seek to know and follow Jesus in your daily life. If you live in or ever happen to visit the San Diego area, we would love to have you join us for worship and fellowship. For location, service times, and other information about our church, please visit our website at cccLamesa.com. CCC is a small but passionate intergenerational church working together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors near and far. Well, let's look into the Word for a few moments this morning. And we are going to get back into our occasional series that we got back into last week after we finished Mark uh, through the book of Psalms, not chronologically through it, but through various Psalms, uh, a, a series that I've entitled, There's a Psalm for That. In the spirit of there's an app for that. There's an app for almost everything. There's a psalm for almost every situation, every emotion, every need. And um, this week, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 83. Last week, we looked at Psalm 82. This week, we're going to look at Psalm 83, and they actually go together. You could read them all as one psalm. And uh, the title of the message this morning is, Help, I'm Under Attack. There's a psalm for that. And I don't know about you, but in all that we're walking through, personally and as a community, as a country and a world, I'm sure all of us have felt some level of of some kind of attack, uh, whether it's uh, emotional, spiritual, maybe you've had a physical, verbal altercation with neighbors or family or friends. I hope not, but it's, uh, you, we see them online all the time. Uh, but it's a very unsettling time, and the enemy of our soul, the Satan, always wants to take advantage of these times to uh, just increase whatever insecurity we have, whatever worry we have, whatever confusion we have. He wants to stoke our anger. He wants to stoke our fear. Um, and it can seem uh, like many times like we are under attack, and I believe that we are in spiritual ways. And, and, uh, and then on top of that, we know that we have brothers and sisters around the world that are under physical attack for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want to think about uh, when we feel like we're under attack, whether it's true or it's how we're, what we're perceiving in our lives, um, what do we do about that? How do we respond to uh, feeling like uh, we're just being overwhelmed uh, from outside and don't know how to respond. Well, there is a psalm for that. In Psalm 83, there's actually many psalms, but Psalm 83 uh, is one of them. So let's look into that and let's just bring ourselves before the Lord in whatever way we might feel like we're uh, being besieged and see what God has for us. Let me read through the psalm for us and read along with me if you have your Bible out or your Bible app out. Psalm 83, a psalm of Asaph, a song, a psalm of Asaph. O God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O God. See how your enemies growl, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning, they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. With one mind, they plot together. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagrites, Byblos, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the people of Tyre. And even Assyria has joined them to reinforce Lot's descendants. Do to them as you did to Midian, as you did to Caesarea and Jabin and the, at the river Kishon, 
who perished at Endor and became like dung on the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all the princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take possession of the pasture lands of God. Make them like tumbleweed, my God, like chaff before the wind. As fire consumes the forest or flames set the mountains ablaze, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame, Lord, so that they will seek your name. May they ever be ashamed and dismayed. May they perish in disgrace. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. Let's look through this together for a moment. First of all, this is a prayer of Asaph. And the people of Israel, we're pretty sure when he wrote this prayer, this psalm, this poem, poetic prayer, the people were in exile in Babylon long ways away from their hometown. Their temple has been destroyed. Their religion, their way of life completely disrupted. They're in a foreign country, probably having to learn a foreign language. Having to, And we know from other prophecies that God said, you're going to be here for 70 years, so settle down, pray for the peace of the city, take wives and build families and just sort of bear up under it. But they were also, uh, and, and they, were, they were exiled because of their their disobedience because of their lack of faith in God, their lack of trust, and for the unjust ways they treated their own people. As, that, what, like we, as we uh, talked about last week, they weren't taking care of the least and the last and the helpless and the voiceless. And God basically allowed the consequences of their behavior to catch up with them and they were taken into exile. Uh, so they're there, but God is with them, but they're not being treated great. And, and this Asaph is just sort of speaking for the people, a cry to God to hear them and to be at work on their behalf. And uh, let's be honest, sometimes we feel like we're under attack. We feel overwhelmed because of poor choices that we've made, because maybe alliances that we've made that aren't really honoring to God. And uh, whether it's relationships that we've made or financial decisions that we've made, uh, whatever it might be. And there's times when God, because he loves us, just sort of backs off and says, okay, I'm going to let you go your way and see what happens and um, let you see what happens. And hopefully that we will come to our senses and cry out to him. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on in this psalm. And so the number one way we respond uh, when we are, feel like we're under attack whether it's a major big deal or if it's just more personal and other people might think it's not a big deal, it's a big deal to us. It's how we're feeling. Uh, the number one thing we should do is to pray. We should pray. We should cry out to God. That's what the psalmist is doing. And so we're going to look at the nature of this prayer, the elements of this prayer, and see how, can, how it can inform our own prayers. So first of all, he says, oh God, do not remain silent. Don't turn a deaf ear. And God's silence is contrasted to the noise of the enemy. He says, see how your enemies growl and how your foes rear their head. So in the psalmist's mind, he, all he's hearing is negative. All he's seeing is all the bad news online and on social media. Uh, he's he's uh, maybe even hearing voices in his head, he's, but he says that the enemy is growling. And um, we know from uh, 1 Peter uh, 5.8, uh, Peter says that the devil uh, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he tries to scare us with, uh, with different ways coming at us in different ways trying to scare us. And, and 
oftentimes when we're in that place, we hear all that noise and we, it feels like God is silent. And so he, but he cries out to God. And the first thing we need to know in our prayer uh, when we feel under attack or any time is we need to be honest before God. We don't need to pray pretty prayers. We need to pray honest prayers. And we need to not be afraid to cry out to God and in a sense, remind God of what's going on in our lives. Well, and when, of course, we know that God doesn't need to be reminded. He knows better than we know what's going on. But it's a way, it's, a, it's an appropriate way for us to vent and get our feelings and our understanding out before the Lord. And so it's not that God is silent. God hasn't turned to deaf ear. It's, God isn't ignorant to what's going on. But the psalmist lays it out there, and we need to not be afraid to do that either. But the other thing I want, to note, want us to notice at the beginning of this psalm is that even though the psalmist is crying out for God's help because he's under attack, it's really not about him or about the people of Israel first and foremost because he says in verse 2, see how your enemies growl um, and how they plot against your people. And one of the things we need to remember when we come to prayer and when things aren't going well and we're freaked out and we're afraid, we need to remind ourselves that whether we've been doing great or we've been blowing it, we are God's children. We are his sons and daughters, and he loves us. And Asaph, the psalmist, he knows that. He knows that even though the people of Israel has been disobedient and they are rightfully exiled, he still is appealing to the Father heart of God and that he's saying that Israel, we are your people, we're your children. So don't be silent, don't be deaf. Listen to the cries or the growls of the enemy. Come to our aid. And when you and I pray, do we pray with that kind of understanding? With that, um, do we have that boldness going before God? Can we put our name in there and um, say, "Come"? Uh, they say, "Come, let us destroy them as a nation," so that Scott's name would be remembered no more. Do we see it as a personal attack? sometimes as uh, against someone that God cherishes. God cherishes you. And when you come under attack, spiritual, physical, whatever it might be, uh, especially if we come under attack for our faith, but in all times as well, God knows it, he loves us, and we can appeal to that when we pray. First Peter, again, five. First Peter 5.8 is the passage that talks about the devil prowling around like a roaring lion. The verse just before that, 5.7, 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. He cares for you because you are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. And we can appeal to that when we pray and when we feel under attack. I want to note something here, though. One way we shouldn't use this prayer, or we need to be careful is that we should be careful to put our country's name in here and substitute it for Israel. The United States is not the people of God. Great Britain is not the people of God. The country of India is not the people of God. Mexico is not the people of God in the specific way that, that um, Israel was. And the only thing we would put in place of Israel other than our own name is the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. That is, those are the people and the, 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 uh, the, the entity that God is alive in and God is working in and through in the world today. That doesn't mean God doesn't love America, God doesn't love Mexico, God doesn't love Great Britain or Japan or wherever, but he, his love for them gets worked out through his people who have called on his name in, uh, in faith 
and who are working for his kingdom purposes. So the first thing we do is we lay out our our concern to God. We tell God what's going on, uh, acting like he doesn't know, but even though we know he does. And we also appeal to the fact that we are his people. And so whoever's attacking us is actually attacking God and something God cherishes. Then he goes on and he talks about how all these nations are coming together to plot against them. And he names 10 nations. I won't name them all again. And when we read in the Old Testament the history of Israel, their enemies were physical, real enemies. These are real nations. There's real history here. Uh, You can read about some of it in extra-biblical books or or, uh, documents. Um, And so they were fighting real battles. But most of the time in our lives, we're not physically fighting a battle, and our enemies are certainly not the real people around us. Now, again, there are we do have brothers and sisters in the Christ that are other places in the world who are suffering physical persecution uh, from different groups of people for their faith. And so they would personalize this prayer in a different way. But for most of us, that's not the case. And we need to remind ourselves when we feel under attack, when we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed out, when we're having a difficulty with a person or a group of people, that they are not primarily our enemy. When we move from the Old Testament to the New, we we learn to see that our enemy, the enemy, is primarily spiritual. And we have spiritual enemies that are working to take advantage of our weaknesses and our differences and and pit us against one another. We know that from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, where Paul says very directly that our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in high places. How would it change the nature of how we're feeling if we feel under attack or if we're in conflict with somebody? If we recognize, hey, I'm upset with this person and maybe there's something really wrong that they're doing, but what if I could see that that they're a broken person just like I am, that God loves them just as much as he loves me, and that I could see past that to the spiritual aspect of what's going on? How would that change my prayers? How would that change my response? That doesn't mean that we don't have to have hard conversations. That doesn't mean that we, uh, if we really are being attacked physically, that we shouldn't try to run and hide or you know, find protection. But as we're praying, we need to pray spiritual prayers and we need to ask God to give us wisdom, spiritual wisdom, to know how to come against, how to stand against, how to be protected by the spiritual forces of evil that have surrounded us and are trying to take advantage of us and cause us to feel defeated. That's what the psalmist does. He lays out his case before God, and then he, he says, hey, all of these enemies are coming against us. They've, they've formed an alliance against us. And then the next thing he does is so important, um, is that he starts to recount the way God has brought victory to them in the past. And he says, do to them as you did to Midian and as you did to Caesarea and Jabin at the river Kishon. And then he, and he goes and recounts some other ways that God protected them and was victorious. You could read about these uh, kings and these battles in the book of Judges. You could look up those names and uh, you'd find those stories. And when we're praying, when we feel under attack, when we're overwhelmed, it's so important that we remember God's faithfulness from the past. Forgetfulness is one of the most dangerous things for a believer when we forget God's faithfulness, when we forget to thank him. And the psalmist, is he's putting this in a 
in a, in a setting where he's saying, hey, we're being surrounded by all these physical enemies, and God, I'm calling on you, and I'm counting on you to do what I know you can do because you've done it in the past. And he names, specifically names, the places of victory and the de- enemies that were defeated. So when we feel overwhelmed, we need to take time to remember and name, maybe even write down, I'm freaked out right now. I'm overwhelmed right now. I feel under attack, but I'm going to write down. I remember back in whatever year, at whatever time, I was going through this, and I thought it was the end, and God came through. God defeated my enemy. He, he provided for me. He brought me through. We need to remember God's faithfulness, and we need to call him. We can pray with a psalmist and say, God, you've got me out of a mess before. You've defeated my enemies before. Please do it again and help me to, to do my part in being faithful in that process. And now the next part is really interesting. He goes on then, he says, in verse 13, and he's praying against his enemies, and he says, God, make them like tumbleweed, make them like chaff that just gets blown away. Um, he talks about having a fire come and consume his enemies, but then we get to verse 16. And this is interesting, because this isn't common as common in the Old Testament. It says, cover their faces with shame, Lord, so that they will seek your name. And as much as the psalmist is angry and he wants God to defeat his enemies, there's a redemptive note here. He's saying, overwhelm them, uh, cover them with shame, scare them with your power, but not so they'll be utterly destroyed, but so they'll be overwhelmed by your greatness and your power and they might turn and seek you and the one that was an enemy might become a brother or a sister in the Lord. What would happen in our day-to-day life when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel attacked, uh, if we're in conflict, if we begin to pray for the one that was persecuting us or the situation, that God wouldn't just cause it to go away, but he would use it for a redemptive purpose in their lives and in our lives. And we would recognize that that's actually what God wants to do because once we get to the New Testament, we don't see any more language about God... um, We don't see Jesus talking about uh, destroying his enemies. We see Jesus hanging on the cross on our behalf and looking at the ones that immediately beat him and and, uh, crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so while we feel under attack and while we cry out for God to God for relief, for protection, maybe for justice, and we should do those things, we can also pray that God would be at work in the situation for his great glory and for the greater good of everyone involved, that they might come to uh, call on his name. How would that change our perspective? How would that change our lives if we began to pray that way? Verse 17, he says, may they be ashamed and dismayed, may they perish in disgrace. But verse 18 wraps it all up. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. The most important part of this prayer is that the psalmist says, God, be exalted in the midst of this. Show your greatness, your glory. I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling attacked, when I'm in conflict, my focus is on me, and I want out of this, I want justice, I want vengeance, Uh, I want to be shown to be right, it's about me, me, me. And probably when you're in it, it's about you, you, you. 
But it's so interesting that the psalmist ends this, and he's laid out his case before God. He, um, he's named the situation. He's named his enemies. He's remembered God's faithfulness. He's prayed for his enemy even, that they might come to know God even in the midst of God's judgment. But he ends by saying, let them know that you alone are the most high over all the earth. God, you glorify yourself in this situation. Make yourself known. How would that change our lives, brothers and sisters, if we begin to pray that way? If we think about the situation we're in right now, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're lonely, maybe you're in, uh, hopefully not, but probably some of us are in debates with family and friends about the best course of action and this and that. What if we begin to lay out our hearts before God, begin to uh, lay out the situation and say, God, here's what's going on. I know you know it. Come and help me. And if we begin to pray for our enemies, pray for our attackers, and more than anything, pray that God would be honored in the situation, honored in our lives, and would show himself great and glorious even to those who are against us. I think those are prayers that God will answer. And um, that's the model that Jesus set for us. That's the invitation that Jesus calls us to, to uh, be servants, to be those that love our enemies, that to be those that entrust ourselves totally and completely to him, knowing that we're his children, we're his disciples, and that he is always working for our good. I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope this can be a fuel for your prayers this week. Um, and uh, that we can, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our frustration, we can find help and hope in our confidence in the greatness and goodness of God through Jesus Christ and by the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for the music. Thank you for your word. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Uh, thank you for virtual fellowship. Uh, I hope we've all sensed some sense of connection, even though we miss being together. And Lord, I thank you that when we, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel attacked, that we can turn to you. You've commanded us, you've called us, you've invited us to call out to you and that you're not afraid of our honest prayers. You're not afraid if we vent before you. You're not afraid if we even call you out, uh, to judge our enemies um, and just sort of pray honest prayers. But Lord, at the same time, I pray that you'd uh, help us to look to Jesus and open our hearts to his transformative work by his spirit so that those prayers would eventually turn to prayers of redemption and prayers that would seek your, your good purpose and your great glory. That our lives truly would be about seeking your glory and the good of our neighbors. Help us in that, I pray. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters uh, through another week and bring us back together, we pray, sooner than later. In Christ's name, amen.